Greetings. My name is Stan Prager from the Regarp Book Blog, www.regarp.com. Today's podcast features my review of Otabanga, The Pygmy in the Zoo, by Phillips, Werner Bradford, and Harvey Bloom. In 1904, the notorious Apache warrior Geronimo, now in his mid-70s, was a federal prisoner of war on loan to the St. Louis World's Fair, which belongs to our nation's uncomfortable collective memory for its numerous ethnographic exhibits of so-called primitive humans, which included, in addition to Native Americans, the Clinket, indigenous to Alaska, and the Igorot, an aboriginal population from the Philippines who were billed as headhunters, as well as Congolese pygmies. Geronimo developed rapport with one of the latter, an amiable 19-year-old Mbuti tribesman named Otabanga, imaginatively advertised as a cannibal, who stood 4 feet 11 inches and whose smile showcased teeth ceremonially sharpened to fine points. The old medicine man presented him with an arrowhead as a gift. They were, of course, all in this kind of zoo together. But only two years later, that very metaphor materialized for Oda, whom, after a brief stay at New York's American Museum of Natural History, found himself on display in the monkey house at the Bronx Zoo, where he hung his hammock, wearing a loincloth and carrying a bow and arrow or wandering the zoo grounds accompanied by an orangutan he'd grown attached to, a captivating if unpaid attraction for amused onlookers. Just after the turn of the century, fresh from the imperialist adventure that was the Spanish-American War, which had compelled Filipinos to trade one colonial power for another, civilized Americans delighted in the spectacle of gawking at savages in various contrived natural habitats, especially, it turned out, in of all places, New York City. The hapless Oda's surprising story, from his birth in Central Africa through his unlikely travels across the United States, is the subject of Oda Banga, The Pygmy in the Zoo, an entertaining if occasionally uneven account by dual authors Phillips Werner Bradford and Harvey Bloom. It is also actually a dual biography, as Oda shares much space in the narrative with Samuel Phillips Werner, the grandfather of one of the authors an eccentric missionary who visited the Congo on a specimen-gathering mission for the fair and collected Otabanga as one of those specimens. There are grander themes to parse as well that this set of authors may not have been up to. These run the gamut from the oppression that reigned in the Jim Crow South to the cruelty that characterized the Congo and, especially, to this particular moment in time when an America now equipped with automobiles and electricity and even manned flight could yet shamelessly put human beings on display to at once juxtapose with and champion their alleged superiors shouldering their white man's burden. Bradford, an engineer who was inspired to write a biography of his colorful grandfather, recognized that Otabango was the hook that would attract readers and set out to do the research. Bloom was brought in to polish the manuscript. Neither were trained historians, which perhaps makes the finished product more readable if less reliable. More on that later. This storied grandfather, the aforementioned Samuel Phillips Verner, was born in post-Civil War South Carolina to a former slaveholding family and grew up furnished with the deep-seated racism typical to his class and his time. Verner emerges here as an intense academic prodigy who lingers upon troubling moral quandaries of right and wrong while suffering from alternating episodes of mental illness. He once insisted he was the Habsburg Emperor and religious fervor. Throughout, he takes comfort in the Daniel Defoe novel Robinson Crusoe, as well as the real-life adventures of Henry Morton Stanley and David Livingston in distant, exotic Africa. 
The sum total in all this was to coalesce in Werner's calling as a missionary to what was then commonly referred to as the Dark Continent. It is in Africa that he demonstrates his intelligence, his charm, his many capabilities, and his propensity for both earning enemies and cementing friendships. He also wrestles with the inherent prejudices he carries from the Deep South that come to be challenged by the realities of the human experience. And, as in his boyhood, there are disturbing moral dilemmas to resolve. But what becomes increasingly clear as the pages are turned is that Werner is first and foremost a narcissist, and resolutions for any paradox of morality are always obtained by what suits Werner's own circumstances most comfortably and most conveniently. By his own account, Werner's time in the Congo consisted of remarkable exploits that saw him establish rapport with various native peoples, including pygmies, as well as form an unlikely kind of alliance with a dangerous, otherwise unapproachable tribal king and a near-fatal episode when he impaled his leg on a poisoned stake set for an animal trap. Along the way, he distinguishes himself by his courage, quick thinking, and ingenuity, like a character out of Defoe, perhaps. Did it all really happen? Bradford reports Werner's saga as history, although it is based almost entirely on his grandfather's own recollections. As such, the reader cannot help but question the reliability of a fellow who once believed himself to be the Habsburg Emperor. African pygmies, much like the Khoisan peoples, have an ancient indigenous lineage that are genetically divergent from all other human populations. They may or may not be descendants of Paleolithic hunter-gatherers of the Central African rainforest. In Otabanga's time, the Mbuti, nomadic hunters, ranged within the artificially drawn borders of the Congo Free State, a vast territory that was for a time the personal fiefdom of Belgium's King Leopold II a land infamous for the widespread atrocities committed by Leopold's private army, the dreaded Force Publique, that enforced strict rubber collection quotas through extreme methods of murder and mutilation. A human hand had to be turned in for every bullet issued to prove these were not wasted, so baskets of hands, including children's hands, became symbolic of Leopold's free state, a realm of horrors that inspired Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. For those who have read Adam Hochschild's magnificent work, King Leopold's Ghost, there is nothing new here, but two of its protagonists, black missionary William Shepard and Irish activist Roger Casement, who campaigned against Leopold's reign of terror, turn up in this book as well. Werner, it seems, was surprisingly unmoved by the carnage about him. Werner contracted malaria. That illness, his leg injury, and the overall dissatisfaction of mission officials with his performance conspired to send him back to America, where he became famous for his reported feats and, based upon his background, won the assignment of procuring pygmies for the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, also known as the St. Louis World's Fair. So eight years later, he returned on expedition with the blessings of King Leopold himself, and in an accidental encounter with the Basquile tribe, he stumbled upon Otabanga at a slave market. Apparently, Oda away from his camp on a solo elephant hunt, as pygmies were wont to do, had returned to find piles of corpses, including his wife and children, victims of the force publique. He and other survivors were sold into slavery. Werner could not believe his good fortune. He purchased Oda for a pound of salt and a bolt of cloth. He later recruited other more willing volunteers and set sail for home. The 13th Amendment forbidding chattel slavery was ratified nearly four decades prior, but that proved not to be a barrier to Werner's transport of Oda to the United States. That is just the beginning of this fascinating story. There is much more to come.
which makes this book, although flawed on some levels, well worth the read. Those who have studied the American Civil War and the antebellum South are familiar with the nuanced relationships that can develop between the enslaved and those who hold them as property. A bond developed between Werner and Oda that was even more complicated than that. Werner may have purchased Oda and dutifully turned him over to the World's Fair, but he later freely returned him to Africa. Yet, after a time, Oda, widowed once more after losing a second wife to snakebite, found himself with little to hold him there and a taste for the excitement he found in America. Thus, he made an enthusiastic return to the U.S. with Werner, but things were not destined to go well for either of them. Werner had visions of grandeur that did not translate into either the wealth or recognition he sought. He seemed to genuinely care about Oda's welfare, but that fell to neglect as his own fortunes dwindled, and Oda wound up in that degrading display at the Bronx Zoo. He was not there very long. His rescue came from unlikely quarters. African-American clergymen, chafing at their own second-class status, were rightly appalled at the humiliating spectacle of Oda at the zoo, which they likewise perceived as advancing Darwinism, an abomination for their Christian faith. Oda went first to an orphanage in the Bronx, and later to Lynchburg, Virginia, where a kindly patron arranged to have his sharpened teeth capped, fitted him out in suitable clothing, sent him to school, and found him work at a tobacco factory, where he was known as Otto Bingo. But Otto, who in his heyday with Werner had been a celebrity of sorts on travels that had once even taken him to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, found himself lonely and alienated. One day in 1916, he pried the caps off his teeth and shot himself. He was about 33 years old. In the end, I longed for more information about Oda and less about Werner. This volume, while enhanced by both wonderful photographs and a thick appendix of press clippings from the day, is conspicuously absent of endnotes which would be useful for the reader anxious to separate fact from fiction in Werner's likely embellishments. Still, despite its limitations, I enjoyed this book and would recommend it. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. I encourage you to share it in your network. Many more reviews on an eclectic array of fiction and nonfiction books are available at regarp.com and regarpbookblogpod.com. Have a great day.